0: Um, These guys are, in fact, want to make a special welcome to a lot of my friends that are here from uh, Tyler, Texas, and Pine Cove. That's you guys, roughly, right? (laughs) Some of my dearest friends in the whole world in life are here this morning, Uh, and uh, so it's really special to have you guys with us, for sure, and uh, I... Pine, I became a believer at this camp in East Texas called Pine Cove in fifth grade. So it was a huge part of my life, shaped me in everything. So it's awesome to have you guys here. So glad you're with us. Big deal to me and many of us here. All right, we're going to jump right in. We're in the book of John. And Emma read to you some of that this morning. We abridged the story because it's really long, but many of you are familiar with the story of Lazarus. Something's going to happen in this Something is happening here where we need to understand the full context of the story in order to understand the little, the, the concise, the play that's, that's coming through in this passage. Because there's a whole lot more going on than meets the eye. And what that is, is that Jesus is, is pursuing us right then. His eyes are on bringing the content of what the gospel is to all mankind when he is with those people right then. And so the the illustration of all this happening is the story of the raising of Lazarus and all this that's happening around it. But the real thing that's going on is Jesus is at the watershed moment where from the point that he decides to go to Mary and Martha and Lazarus, when he makes that decision, he is moving straight to the cross. He's held it off. He's avoided that for a while, and now it's time, and he's going straight to the cross. This is the moment, and when, when he is talking to them, and when we talk about the story and the interaction that he's having, what he is really talking about is not only them, but the big thing. that There's this incredibly personal thing because God is intimately concerned about each of us, in each of them, but there's this cosmic thing, God-level thing, where he is going to the cross to create the content of salvation, the content of the gospel, the good news. Because before he goes to the cross and there's resurrection, there isn't something for us to believe in. But now there is because of what happened. So Jesus has this in his mind. He is determined to get to that place. And that's where the tension comes from in the story. But what I, I want to encourage you, if you're not a believer, if you're thinking about who Jesus is, you're just examining this, you're trying to understand who, what's going on. This is a great opportunity for you to see how valuable you are, the determination he had, the link that he went to, to die and be resurrected for you. And if you're a believer, that should encourage you. We should be lifted up, built up, and encouraged by that. If you, if you are a believer and have been for a while... I think this is, a, this is a narrative where we see Jesus doing things that are very um, they're indicative of what a follower of Jesus does. He is setting the tone, He's setting an example for us, and I think there's some hard things that come through in this. So I want to ask you if you're a believer to be thinking not only about the, val- the incredible value that I have and, and how I'm reminded of that through this story, but then also think, all right. How do I follow Jesus in the same way that He is going to do difficult things for the sake of the gospel, for good news, so that others would believe? And Jesus is going to say that in this in this uh, uh narrative right here. He's going to say, the reason all of this is happening is so that you will believe. That's the end goal He is after. Us, them believing, and us believing, and the whole world having the opportunity to believe. So that's what's happening. And I want to read you this passage from Ephesians 1.4. This is where Paul summarizes this overall mission that Jesus is, is putting himself within. And this is from the, the translation called The Message. Long before Jesus laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind he had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and, by, and holy by his love. That is where he is going. And this story is going to illustrate that, and you'll see as we move through how that works out. Now, three things that I want you to see, and, and many of you all know I, I love to use three points. If you hear here last week, Eric, three points, a week before, I'm always three points. Many of you guys are used to that, but I'm going to tell you the reason I do three points. It's because of me, because I want to know when it's almost over. That's the truth. I'm not kidding. Uh, I mean, it does help to remember and all that stuff, but I just like to see the progress bar. So anyway, you'll know when we get to the last one, we're almost there. You guys and gals that are like me. Here's the three points. These are, the, the, these are illustrations of what Jesus does with his sole purpose of bringing, of creating the gospel, of making this happen. One is sacrifice Two is courage, and three is suffering. Sacrifice, courage, and suffering. When I wrote those, I was like, hmm, that's not super uplifting. That's not the most exciting stuff ever. But I think as we go through, you'll see how exciting it is that he went through those things for, for you and for me. And that's just, it's, it's really one of the more beautiful stories uh, I can imagine. So let's talk about sacrifice for a minute. Part of understanding the sacrifice is getting inside Jesus' head and recognizing that he's a human being and that he loves dearly the people who are suffering. So right at the beginning of the story, right at the top, it says there's a guy who's sick. His name is Lazarus. He's really important because, and John wants us to know how important he is. He says, because... Lazarus is the brother of Mary, and Mary's the girl who, in that really awkward situation when the, around the Pharisees' table when all the people were watching, she puts oil on his feet and, and wipes his feet with her hair. That's a super like intense, humiliating sort of situation. If you've studied that before, you know how intense that was. And a friendship developed between Jesus, Mary, Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. And in this story, it says a couple of times, Jesus loved these people. He loved them. He was deeply connected to them. And I think it's easy to write off Jesus' emotions. Jesus felt deeply about them. He cared deeply. And when things, when, when they were suffering, he cared. When you have someone in your life that you deeply care about and they're suffering, you feel it. And Jesus is in that place. So he wants us to, to know that. John wants us to know that. But then, uh, Mary and Martha send Jesus a letter, and it takes a while to get there. When the letter gets there, it says, hey, the guy who you love, Lazarus, is really ill. So they're, they're like twisting it a little bit. You know, Jesus, we need you to come here, because Jesus has been healing people, right? So why wouldn't he come and heal his really dear friend, Lazarus? So the guy you love is is ill. You need to come. That's what the point was. But then something really odd happens, and I'm sure you noticed it, and you've probably thought about this before if you've read this passage in verse 5, it says this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard, this is confusing. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed there. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, you got, that doesn't make sense. Why would he stay there if he knew that he could do something about it? And that's why it's so important to understand the big picture of where Jesus is going. Of what he is about, of his singular determined purpose to go to the cross for us. In, in this situation, is that personal example of that. He is so focused on that that it's better for him to sacrifice what is so important to him, and that is the, the, allow the suffering that he can alleviate. He, he lets that go because of a bigger purpose. And that had to be hard, because Jesus was fully man and fully God. And so that leads me to this uh, to this question that I want to ask you about application from this, and, and it's this: um, Am I willing, or you, if you're a believer, are you are you willing to suffer so that someone else may believe? Because Jesus says, "This is the reason." Remember, this is the reason I'm doing this, so that you may believe. I mean. Do I, have, do I have a plan even for engaging a person or people so that they may believe? Because this is where Jesus is going. And if we're going to be a part of what he is doing and actually follow him, right, then we're going to do what he's doing. And what he's after is he's after creating the opportunity for people to believe because it's urgent. So am I willing to suffer that others would believe? Is there any place in my life where I'm willing to go and the extra mile really put things on the line, make it hurt in order for someone else to have the truth of the words of the gospel so they can decide to believe? So, sacrifice. Jesus is making a sacrifice, a relational one. But then the second part, courage. He is going to go into a very dangerous situation, like immediately dangerous, not just cross is coming dangerous, but because the disciples say, "Hey, wait, if you get on there the last time you were there down by Jerusalem, they were going to stone you. they were going to kill you. That means something different in Colorado if you go somewhere to get stoned um, those so um, but anyway um that's i shouldn't that's such a lame joke I shouldn't even use it sorry okay um I, I won't do that the rest of the summer, but anyway he they say don't don't go there because you will get killed and and that's that's not what we should do well uh, so jesus said let me read this to you from 14 and jesus says this is a couple days later lazarus has died and for your sake i'm glad that i was not there i mean he's 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 so focused on the gospel for them on the on their hope so that you may believe but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, so one of the followers of Jesus, said this, not to Jesus, but to the other disciples. So he gets the other guys together. And I think this is a sarcastic thing. I think this is what, this is the content of this. He's saying, well, let us also go that we can die with him. He didn't say, hey, all right, hooray. He, he does not say that to Jesus. He says to the other people, well, we'll just go die with him. I think it's so cool how the Bible just, especially in John, it's so clear. He just tells us the truth. See, there was tension among the disciples in Jesus when Jesus was there. There was trouble amongst the disciples. But here's the cool thing. They don't understand. Jesus says, hey, I know Lazarus is dead, but we're going to go down there anyway. And I know that I could be killed. I could be put to death just by showing up in that region. They didn't get it, but they went into a dangerous situation. And so I think the application for me, maybe for you if you're a believer too, is will you, will you actually follow Jesus into a dangerous situation? Would you do it? Do you do it? Are you willing to? To some, a peril, something where you have a chance of loss, are you willing to do that? Do you do that? Do I do it? I mean, most of my Christian life really is just based on doing the things that I do and almost never moving towards something in any way remotely dangerous? No, I'm not saying we're supposed to go out and, and be in danger, but are we willing to move into that place where we, we're not just protecting ourselves and looking good and being like a good Christian or whatever we're supposed to look like, but actually engaging with, with what Jesus is doing to the extent that it costs us. Are we willing to follow him there? Even if we don't understand, even if we're not sure, we just know this is what he said and I'm going there. Are you willing to do that? And that's what the disciples do. And Jesus does it courageously in the face of possible imminent death. And he knows that's not happening, but the disciples don't know. So we have this idea of of sacrifice Jesus is making relationally. And then he's taking this courageous step, which I think he's calling us as his followers into. But then suffering, I, I realize suffering is implicit in, in being courageous and in sacrifice, but there's something here that I think is much more deep uh, and expressed in the text that we'll see here that, that, that we might've looked over. You know, when you, when you go to a funeral, when somebody has died, that's a hard place to go. It's always hard. And when you go to a funeral of someone you love deeply, it's and almost all of us have done that. I recently, uh, and I've, I've done a lot of funerals because of the job that I have, and I've seen some. Um, uh, I've seen some very hard uh, mourning, very difficult things happen in, in funerals. And I just got back from my my about two months ago from my mom's funeral, which I had to take part in. And man, who that was really hard to do. I just I didn't know how it would shake me up. And I felt these things that I try to repress most of the time. I like to, you know, like I, when my daughter says, hey, let's watch a, you know, emotional movie. I'm like, Psh, I don't, I'm not going to do it. You know, I usually say, well, are there guns? You she watch a movie. Are there guns? Is there fast cars? Stuff like that. Otherwise, I'm not going there because I don't want to go where the tears start to flow. Okay. Well, Jesus is going into this place where that is happening. It's, it's a place of suffering in, in that culture especially, but he's going in there. And did you notice, Martha comes to him first. Mary stays behind and Martha comes and she's, she's flat out mad. And her friends come too, these people that are grieving and they come. Uh, so it's Jesus, a crowd, some of his disciples, and Martha, I, I think picturing this helps us understand it and understand the feeling a little bit better. But she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like straight to Jesus' face, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. I mean, she is not happy. She she believes that Jesus could have done something about it. And her friends, I don't think we read this part in the text there, but her friends are standing around and they're whispering and certainly been whispering to her, oh, he healed people he didn't even know. So why wouldn't he heal your brother? And why wouldn't he heal her brother? So there have... All around Jesus and all around her are these whispers of divisiveness, and Jesus knew that it was coming, but he stepped into that tension amongst those followers, and I think that hurt because he was a real man, and because he was God, and he truly cared and here and this is something that I've learned, so uh just I'm going to take off the preaching thing if that's what we're doing just for a minute. And his friends will talk about this. So it doesn't matter if you're a local here, if you're, if you're here one Sunday a month, some of you, if you're here two, 25, like half or 52, it doesn't matter. There is tension that's going to happen among believers. It's just going to be there. And it's something that I've realized in a small town. So, I come from a big church. The church I came from a few years ago is bigger than the whole town of Crested Butte when everybody shows up. So, when you, and many of you guys are like that, you come from places like that. And when something happens in a church, you can just go a few blocks away. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't happen in this community. Here, we still rub shoulders, we still care about each other, we still interact. But do you see, here's Jesus, the son of God. His disciples are there against their will. They don't understand. They're actually being sarcastic about Jesus Christ. And Martha is basically cussing him out and all of her friends. So do you see, there might be some tension in the room. (laughs) And you guys, so it's okay if there's tension between believers, because here it is. Here are the closest followers of Jesus. And I think that's something that, uh, this is where I'm speaking very personally to you, the church has communicated something very erroneous to the community. Is that we're supposed to look like we've got it all together. No, we're messed up and broken. And when we come together, it's okay if there's tension across the room. Because we love Jesus. And that's what the most important thing is. He is the restorer, the redeemer, and the reconciler. And it may take some time, but it's okay. So wherever you're going home to and whatever you're doing here, tension is okay, but never forget that the outside world is looking. And when they see us love each other more than focus on our differences and our tensions between each other, that's when, when right, when they see us loving each other, then they'll know that he is God. More than seeing the mountains, more than nice things you do for them when they see us loving each other, overcoming the tension. And certainly, these people are going to overcome the tension just in a matter of days when, when Jesus is actually put on the cross. So she's angry, and he tells her, but you know what? I am your hope. I am. This is what that beautiful place where he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. But what does it mean? What has to happen before Jesus can be the resurrection and the life? He has to go to the cross. She's so focused, she doesn't even pick that up. It'd be like if I told you, I've got to go die, and you just skipped right over it. She skipped right over it. He has to be the resurrection. This is where he's speaking as the God of the universe. I am the resurrection and the life. He's speaking as the, the one who has the big picture and has the mission in mind. But then... Mary, the sister who wiped his feet with her hair, she shows up. Now, she's really mad. Looks like I'm going too long. The kids are ejecting. <laughs> I love it when the kids are screaming around church. It's like, it makes it feel healthy. So, we'll enjoy that. So, Mary comes to him and she says the exact same thing. She says, she says, um, if you had been here, in fact, let me read this because I want you to picture this. Just picture the scene. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet. So you, don't just like read the story. Think of what that looked like. This woman, is his dear, dear friend is at his feet again, suffering. And she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her weeping also he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled that those words deeply moved and greatly troubled don't do justice to the suffering that he was experiencing like if you if you study them in the original language it's he was angry and he was uh, in a state of almost rage and suffering from this he was in, and this is the passage where it says Jesus wept you know when a full-grown man weeps you know what that you feel something when you see that or when you actually do it. And this is what's happening. You can picture that. It was so intense for Jesus. But y'all, what a beautiful thing. The God of the universe, who's about to do this universal thing for all mankind, is weeping over the suffering of, her, of his friends. Do you, those two things are happening at the same time. It's, it's such a beautiful story. It's such a beautiful revelation of how much he cares personally and uh, globally. So Jesus moves through sacrifice with with not going there. He he is courageous and in going into the situation, and finally, he he goes through this suffering. But here's the the last question I want to ask you, and I'll wrap up with this idea. Why would Jesus when he when he's with her or when he when he goes to the tomb, he he goes to Lazarus' tomb, and it says the same word that he is. Um, he's angry to the point of shaking. Why would, if he's going to turn the funeral into a party, why would he be upset? You know, if you just read the story, you might just gloss over that. But he's very upset, just as upset as he was when Mary is at his feet, when he's at the tomb. And he's standing there, and certainly the people are behind him. And, you know, he's he's looking right at this, it says, it's a, a... a tomb with a stone rolled over in front of it. This must have been creating a picture in his mind of what's about to happen in his own life and in his death. And he says, move the stone. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And at that moment, that is the thing that causes the religious leaders to go over and move him towards the cross. There's no going back after that. And Jesus knows it. He's not afraid of that. He knows it's going to hurt. He He's angry. That This is the motivation, the deepest stuff within Jesus that says, I'm going to take care of the thing that is the ultimate result of the sin of mankind. I'm going to take care of death once and forever and resolve this. And you see the emotion, the intensity coming out because he's singly focused on creating the truth of the gospel so his friends can believe and so that, the world can believe, and we can believe. That's a beautiful thing. So go out and think about that. I'm gonna pray and we'll go. Lord, uh, it is beautiful what Jesus did for us, Uh, the incredible selflessness of his actions. From the beginning of time, he had us in mind. And uh, we thank you for the personal nature of that for us. Let us serve you well today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you guys have a great afternoon. Cool off.